Sweet. Here we go. Wonderful. So I'll say it again. Uh, I guess we'll start the cut now for the sermon uh, online. But thank you so much for allowing me to speak tonight. Um, we're going to be in John 20. John 20. And Mr. Mike, I have the clicker up here, so you're good to go as soon as you get it up there. I appreciate it. So, all righty. I know, I sound just like Dad right then, didn't I? Thank you. John 20, and we're going to be starting at verse 25. Um, the title of my message, I know you should read the verses and give the title, but I'm going to give you the title, and then we're going to read one verse, and then we'll continue throughout the passage in a moment. But the title of my message, or my, my lesson, I suppose, is how should we approach people after the resurrection? How should we approach people after the resurrection? Now, as far as I could tell through both my personal studying and some advice from, from my dad here, I believe that Jesus had three encounters with various people before he met with Thomas, who was in this passage. First, he met with Mary Magdalene. He mentioned that Sunday. He also met with Peter and John, a couple of other disciples as well. And third, he met with the two men on the road to Emmaus. Other than that, the Bible does not record any other interactions or what Jesus was doing around eight days after the resurrection. But here we are right now. The disciples are talking to Thomas. This is where we are in this passage, verse 25. Read along with me. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, being Thomas, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of, my, uh, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. So already we see characteristics that Thomas throughout the Bible but throughout his time with Jesus has already displayed being cynical and being a doubter being someone that questions what he's looking at and again where I'm going to be going with this and you'll see this in a minute how many people do we interact with that have questions that are doubting I need to see more evidence I would have to see this to believe this would have to happen for me to come to church keep reading verse 26 and after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. So again, I want to reiterate, eight days later, Thomas did not immediately get answers. And I'll, I'll reiterate this more in a minute and talk more in depth. And Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. I don't personally mark in my paper Bible, but if you do, I would highlight my Lord and my God. That's significant, Thomas calling Jesus that specifically. Verse 29, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Verse 30, and many other signs that truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing me to speak this evening. I pray that this message simply encourages, reminds, and convicts, however it needs to be applied to each person that is represented in this room. I pray that you will speak through this, that I will not be glorified, but you alone will be glorified. Pray so in Jesus' name, amen. So first... I, it's basically going to be two points tonight, and I don't know, two points, we're out of here in ten minutes. No. The two points have three sub-points, so in total we have six points 
but bear with me. I promise I will be hopefully efficient. I'm going to be talking about Thomas's doubts. We're then going to be talking about Jesus's challenge of faith, and then Jesus's reward for Thomas's belief. And then we'll talk about the, the rest of this after. So first, going back to verse 25, the other disciples were talking to him. They were witnessing to Thomas, telling him, Jesus is alive. He is, he has resurrected. Now, Again, if you look back in the passage, and we learned from, from Sunday, it is not explicitly stated that Thomas was there when Jesus was crucified. We do not know with 100% certainty if he was there or not. I believe, personally, that he was there, because why would he be so adamant that he was dead? That's just, again, that is my opinion. I'm stating that very clearly. I believe he saw him die, or at the very least had a very good description of his death, knew about it, and that's why he was so stuck on the fact that Jesus could not possibly be alive. They saw a ghost, or they were, they were doing whatever, but Jesus was not alive. And he said, and it was so adamant, and I can imagine this conversation Thomas is having with these disciples, I'd have to put my hand in his side that you said was poked out for me to believe he was alive. Now, we don't know what happens after this eight days, but again, Dad and I were talking about this the other day. I believe the disciples probably tried to tell Thomas this every day. Because again, they think, or at the very least believe, they have seen who they thought was God die. And they're, they're one of the disciples that was with them the whole way doesn't believe it. I believe they'd be talking to him a lot. So, eight days. Again, it's important, and I want us to all remember this. Thomas did not immediately get his answers. He did not immediately have that satisfaction or that connection. His disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Now, the same reason that I believe the angels said, Peace be unto you, when they, when they met the shepherds in the field, is because Jesus appeared, what seems to be, out of thin air, walked through the wall, however you want to interpret it. I would be spooked as well. Dr. Marsh, if you walked through a wall, I would be freaking out. Everybody with me? Especially if I thought... Nine, eight days ago, you had died. So, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, a direct response, by the way, to verse 25. Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. He challenges Thomas. In fact, he exactly, if we're looking at verse 25, exactly what Thomas said he'd have to do, Jesus gives it right back to him and says, do it. Here's your evidence. Here's my challenge. I want to I make sure that we understand here as well that Jesus performed many miracles in, in three verses. Again, I was talking to my mom about this message. If it was teleportation or manifestation or phasing through walls, I don't know exactly what we should call this. Omnipresence is a good word. That's a miracle. Secondly, he defeated death. Third, at some level, he was walking around with scars. That's also somewhat of a, at least a feat. So Jesus performed many miracles right in front of Thomas and also then challenges him. And again, verse 28, after being challenged and be not faithless but believing, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. He both says, in essence, I believe you are God and you are my Lord both personal possession of Thomas's life and also he is who he said he was. Verse 29. 
We're going into my third point here shortly. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And I believe, as we're going to be going through this, these are the people that we as believers, as people of Hardin Valley Church, are going to be witnessing to. Jesus is addressing and setting up the New Testament church. Because they will not physically see Jesus at a certain point. He will ascend up into heaven. So, verse 30 and verse 31, we're talking about Jesus' reward for that faith and Thomas's belief. And many other signs did truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, these are important, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, ye might, have, ye might have life through his name. So what's the reward? Life through his name. Eternal life through his name. Jesus invites Thomas to reach out and touch his wounds from his crucifixion. And Thomas's faith is strengthened and renewed because of it. And then Jesus directly addresses those who have seen, who have not seen and still believe, as well as promising them eternal life if they believe. Again, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that for whosoever believeth on him shall be saved. I paraphrase there, but continuing. So, looking at these, why am I talking about this right after Easter? Because we all should have a certain level of how we approach people who are not saved after the resurrection. Because our faith is alive. Our God died and came back to life. This is not a dead religion. This is not a dead faith. This is not a great theory or a good, bo- rules, uh, a good book of rules just to follow if you feel like it. This is, as I've reiterated in our Wednesday night service many times, as Brandon knows what I'm going to say, this is essential for our walk as Christians. In fact, and I'll be talking about this, I believe our faith is an essential part of our Christian faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus says to Thomas. Because of your faith, you have now been made whole. And for those who have not seen me and have faith you will have eternal life. So, looking through this, I want to see, well, what, what are, the, what are the, the benefits or the power of faith? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list a lot of verses here. I'm not going to expect you to read or go to all of them, but I will read them to you. Hebrews 11.1. 1. So what is faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Romans 10.17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It connects faith to, to, to the Bible right there. You have to read the word. You have to hear the word. And then your faith will be made whole and will come. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, so Christians, if you don't have faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, which Thomas, again, I, I interpret it this way. This is, again, I'm going to say my opinion. I know it's a very dangerous word to say up here, my opinion. But Thomas, I don't believe fully believe that Jesus Christ was God, but that at that moment, in verse, let me find it, verse 28, he says, my Lord and my God. He fully believed in that moment. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, just like Thomas did in that moment, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek them. The Bible defines faith, tells us how, to, how faith comes about, and why it's important in those three verses. But then, again, I, and I want to kind of talking about the question I had at the beginning, how many of us are talking with people when you witness at your work, at your home, who need more 
evidence, who want to know more, who, that doesn't seem right to me. The need for evidence, because again, Thomas very clearly wanted evidence. He said, I would have to put my hand in the scars to believe. I would have to see it with my own eyes. I'd have to touch it to believe. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now, now uh, I know you're wondering why whether I just read that verse connected to all this. But John is very clearly stating to these people in this passage, try your evidence. Make sure you don't be irresponsible. Don't be irresponsible. In the same way that we should be teaching the right things, we should also be filtering out the bad things. He's talking about false prophets during this time period. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Psalm 19.7 The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In John, we read in essence, don't believe everything you read. Don't be foolish and be irresponsible. Teach the right things, the proper things. That the Bible, and we also read in 2 Timothy 3.16 that the Bible will withstand any test and can be used to teach, correct, instruct, and that the scripture is perfect in Psalm 19.7 and converts the soul of man. So the Bible helps us give our faith because by hearing it, but so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and also scripture is given by inspiration of God, and the law of the Lord is perfect. And remember, this is all through faith. Thomas then had faith and believed. Now, as I was, I was studying this, I have a couple of, I have one story, and then I have kind of a, 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 a it applies to this, then I have kind of my, I call it my stinger, because I don't know how exactly I want to end this, and stinger is the only thing I really knew how to say it. It's application, final word, stinger. Thank you. See, I knew it would, I knew it would catch. So mom knows, I'm going to start telling the story. She's going to know what I'm talking about. We were at Pellissippi campus, Hardin Valley, and there were some people who went on campus because it's a free speech campus, were holding, was holding a large sign, had amplification. The sign was saying various degrees of biblical message on either side. I think it's probably the best way to put it. And they were preaching, and they were talking about gay marriage, they're talking about the Bible, all these things. And because Pellissippi is both community college and the laws surrounding it, as long as they were in a certain area and speaking, they were allowed to do so. They got their writer's class went out, and what caught me the most, because I kind of had to go throughout the day, I was doing some events and I was also working that day, was the more you were there, the more their tone shifted. They started out just talking with people, but the more people that were there and giving them hate for being on campus, counter-protesting them while they were preaching, the more their tone shifted towards hate and anger. By the end, you could, it was basically who could yell the loudest. They were, they were being personal in their insults to them while holding a sign that had a Bible verse on it. And they were basically being hateful and yelling to the very people they probably began going there trying to witness to. Now there's a lot more in that story that I could tell, but 
what I want to boil out of that is that they did the opposite of what Jesus did with Thomas. They went to that campus, probably, I'll give them benefit of the doubt, somewhat good intentions, trying to witness to young, impressionable students. But every student who interacted with them left with a lesser view of the Bible and those people because their, their interactions with them were terrible. They were hateful. Second story I have to tell, and then we'll tie this up. Now, Dad, especially, hold your breath. I used a program called ChatGPT, and I'll explain what it is in a second, to help me cite and source a lot of the verses I found. I found. If you don't know what that is, I'll explain it very briefly. It is a chat bot or an AI, depending on how you want to interpret it, that sources anything you ask for. You can put in a prompt. It can write you a paper. It can find you 10 different answers. It can write you a poem. Very powerful piece of technology that will shape our future. I use it to find Bible verses, so that's how I am right now. Anyway, so once I was done with that, it had kind of learned some of my things, and I was like, I wanted to ask it a follow-up question. And what it answered convicted me deeply, and this is how I'm hopefully going to end this lesson tonight. I asked ChatGPT what faith was, because again, this is the basis of, of all of this, because without faith, Thomas would not have believed in what he had seen. This is what ChatGPT, the unbiased AI, answered. Faith is the belief in something unseen and unproven. It is the ability to trust in something without proof or evidence. Faith involves taking a leap of trust believing in something without any certainty or tangible proof. It is a confidence or assurance in something that cannot be seen or fully understood. I think it's a very whole and sufficient answer about what faith is. I would like to point out something that I pointed out Wednesday night, or tonight, pardon me, when I talked about this with the, with the team, a little bit about faith. Our faith is not unseen and unproven. Our faith is not without any evidence. We have a faith that is, as I reiterated at the beginning, alive and is real and has evidence and has proof. The same way that Thomas needed proof and Jesus gave it to him, we have proof and we can give it to the world. I then asked it a follow-up question. I then asked it if it was necessary to the Christian faith to have faith to begin with. Again, look, hopefully unbiased, this is what it answered. A Christian may argue that faith is necessary for their belief, because faith is an essential part of the Christian religion. Christianity teaches that the faith that faith is necessary in order to have a relationship with God and to live a life of obedience to Him. Faith is also necessary to understand and accept the truths of the Bible. Without faith, it would be impossible to believe in God, Jesus Christ, the Bible, and the promises of salvation through Him. Faith is essential for a Christian's relationship with God, and is at the heart of the Christian faith. Romans 10.9 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that the God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If chat GPT understands that faith is essential to the Christian walk, then why don't I? That's what convicted me. 
and I'm only speaking for myself at this moment. I don't know. For, I'm, you all look faithful. You're here on a Wednesday night. You're already ahead of the game. However, I wonder how many of us have witnessed to somebody and not made that aware to the people we're witnessing to who don't know the evidence, who don't know the truth of the Bible. We come at them, you already know, probably know some of this. Thomas witnessed Jesus through all of these miracles and still had doubts. He quite literally walked with the Lord daily and still had doubts. So why don't I have patience with those who have doubts who know nothing about the Bible? My final question. How should we approach people after the resurrection? The same way that Jesus did to Thomas. With love, with evidence, with faith, with forgiveness and understanding. So that's my stinger. That's my context. That's my approach. That's my final landing. We should approach, I should approach, every conversation with someone who may not know the gospel the same way that Jesus did with one of his own disciples. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. And I believe faith is necessary to become a Christian.